0: Hello. Hi. I'm Grace, and I'm Madeline, and we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they're maybe even better for adults. Mm-hmm. This week, we're not talking about a book, baby. It's <laughs> <Go> Halloween, <Rogue>. <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Ooh. and to celebrate, ghost that's what Ooh. my ghosts—they <laughs> <owns. laughs> <laughs> are very falsettoed. yeah—and. <laughs> frenetic and to celebrate the occasion we are having a mini episode in which we discuss one of our favorite works of art co-favorite I would say it's very important to both of us Mm -hmm. the animated mini series over the garden wall yeah this was released on Cartoon Network in 2014 and it has become an enduring part of my life certainly and I believe that Madeline feels similarly. It is very important to me, you- based on our constant back and forth texting <laughs> about <over> the cardigan. <laughs> <mom. laughs> you purchased it for me
1: when I was in college as my birthday present oh yeah I forgot about that it was like right after it came out
0: yep it was definitely one of those gifts that's like I know you'll love this but also I need you to be able to engage with it alongside me so you you bought it for me on (laughs) iTunes and like I got all the receipts it was just like hmm, what's this (laughs) yeah because I sent it as a gift on the wrong date or whatever yeah good thing that doesn't matter anymore Because the whole show is on Hulu. You don't have to buy it on iTunes. And I want to say ahead of our entire discussion that if you haven't watched it, I would highly, 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 highly recommend going and watching it. It's like an hour and 15, right? Yeah. It's 10, 12 minute episodes. So it is not long and it is such an experience. And I truly feel that any fan of this podcast will like this show for reasons that yeah. we're about to get into in detail. But first, just go watch it so that we don't spoil anything There's, yeah, for you. Just just watch it. Just watch it. If you don't have a Hulu subscription, it's really easy to sign up for a free trial and cancel it. If you have a few <laughs> email addresses, <laughs> it's not hard and it's available with the free trial I checked today. So yeah, go check it out. Mm hmm. So I wrote a little introduction for the show and for this episode, and here it is. I went into Over the Garden Wall pretty blind, knowing only that it was created by an Adventure Time storyboard artist. Within the first 10 minutes, I had forgotten about Adventure Time, up to that point my most beloved cartoon entirely. The muted brown forest backdrop overlaid with searing blazes of color depicting an eternal autumn. Two oddly matched brothers in a cone hat and a tea kettle, <laughs> accompanied by an erstwhile frog and sharp-tongued bluebird. The layers of buried memories of my favorite 70s and 80s era animations that went rented from Blockbuster or taped off basic cable coming to an abrupt head. Each successive episode adds a new layer to the enchanted wood, weaving together miniature personal dramas like a woeful teacher's no-good two-time and Jimmy Brown of a fiancé. <laughs> and life-or-death stakes culminating in a frozen Greg marching determinedly through the snow, alone but with hope still in his heart. To say that this series is rewatchable is to do it a disservice. It must be rewatched again and again, and the jokes will still make you laugh, and the art will still make you marvel, and Greg and Wirt and Beatrice will still make you wish that you could spend a day exploring alongside them. So let's talk about why it's so important to both of us, and more specifically... The fantasy elements that inform it. Yeah, I watch it at least once a year,
1: since its initial um, bestowing. Both because I want to show it to other people, and also just because, like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna watch over the garden wall now. That's that's what
0: this scale needs. It's a great Halloween rewatch, as I mentioned, because it has a an atmospheric spookiness to it, in addition to one kind of explicitly Halloween-esque episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the backdrop for the entire show is this autumnal forest mm-hmm. that is marching slowly toward winter, which kind of culminates in the last episode, but is mirrored by the emotional states yeah. of the two main characters, the two brothers. Um, and I do want to mention that this episode was a request from a listener yeah. uh Amy um who checked out over the garden wall after we mentioned it in a different episode i can't remember yeah, which book we, we, we were about discussing a lot. <laughs> and thought that it could actually be a good fit for a little special episode mm-hmm. so thank you amy because it was really fun doing yeah. some over the garden wall research so first i will you know let's invert old and new impressions um I'm going to talk not about what the show reminded me of, but what the creators cited as their oh. fairy tale influences for the most part in creating the show. Grace did the research. So something Like always. <laughs> so something that is so unique about Over the Garden Wall is that it feels like it's set in the olden days, but not in a reductive or specific way. Yeah. It's actually kind of impossible to pinpoint yeah. the era that mm-hmm. it may be depicting. And part of that is because Greg and Ward are in a, a sort of space between reality and fantasy and between life and death. Uh, I learned that. Over the garden wall. Over the garden wall, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that the pilot technically or i guess it it wasn't ultimately the pilot but patrick McHale, the creator of over the garden wall made an animated short that was called the tome of the unknown mm. have you watched it before i don't think so um definitely check it out that is on youtube um and it is about Greg and Wirt, and they have the main voice cast there at that point, except for Beatrice, who is played by Natasha Leggero instead of Mel Linsky. And most of the main themes and storylines that are going to end up running through the show, but Greg and Wirt, instead of being over the garden wall from reality and trying to get back home, are actually in some version of the underworld. The devil has a book, which is the Tome of the Unknown, and they sign their names in it. Um, and then the devil kind of scatters the pages throughout the world, so they have to mm-hmm. go and find them. So they have series of adventures as they try to find the pages. And so it's a like a full-length film? No, it's uh, also, I think, 12 minutes long. It's oh. similar to the episodes that they ended up producing. Um, but things started out more explicitly purgatorial. <laughs> okay. I don't know what the okay. adjective purgatory is. Um, and then moved... More in a fairy tale type direction. Okay. The entire team who made the show, which is a huge number of illustrators and artists um, Patrick McHale, Pendleton Ward from Adventure Time was involved, Nick Cross, Laura Park, CO mm-hmm. Kim. There's so many artists that I love, Natasha Allegheri from uh, Be and Puppy Cat, mm. um, so many that I love. And uh, I, w- I won't name them all. You can look them up. But a lot of them were involved in Adventure Time mm, before they okay. came and worked on this. Um, Patrick McHale was uh, a creative director for Adventure Time for the first two seasons, I believe, and basically helped Pendleton Ward develop it and was a storyboard artist. Um, and there's a lot of that joy and comedy that comes through to Over the Garden Wall, even though it overall is more solemn in tone Mm -hmm. I would say but it's also hard to compare the two because Adventure Time has so many episodes and so much content and it hits every possible high and low that you can imagine whereas we're working with just much less material here Mm -hmm. it tells its story and then it's done and one thing that I mentioned earlier about Over the Garden Wall how it strikes that like wonderfully vague but also um, precise setting mm-hmm. with the feel of the olden timiness yeah. is, I think, because the creator and the artists had uh, developed like a huge file of aesthetic influences that they wanted to use. And those were really broadly ranging mm. um, everything from like Victorian Halloween postcards <laughs> um, to uh, <laughs> like a set of silent. Austrian fantasy films by Fritz Long from 1924, old Hans Christian Andersen illustrations, mm-hmm. Don Quixote illustrations by Gustave Deray, The Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland, uh, some illustrations of him by John Tenniel, uh, bu- this bizarre set of movies called the Dogville comedies that are from the 30s that <laughs> featured, like there were silent films featuring posed talking dogs with human voices dubbed in um, <laughs> from the thirties. Yeah. That, which that's for like a late night adult swim show That like something I, from the thirties. Yeah. And they're, what? they're now like pretty, um, controversial because of the are they racist, racist. <laughs> no well i mean i'm sure they are <laughs> but the alleged ways in which they got the dogs to look like they were talking and uh-huh. it sounds like there was animal abuse involved uh-huh. um okay uh, what's, then what's this called? this is probably the weirdest uh, piece of influence that i read about um it was a 1922 stop motion silent film called frogland by a Polish-Russian stop-motion animator named Ladislaw Starewik. I'm really sorry. I'm t- totally destroying that name, I'm sure. Um, and that was the basis for the, like, the entirety of the Lullaby and Frogland episode when Greg and Wirt and their frog go on a frog steamboat and break into song. <laughs> And that is on Daily Motion and it is crazy. Um, I only watched a little bit of it. And was like, I, I actually don't know if my brain can handle this. But we'll put a link up um w- with our episode on dragonbabiespodcast.com. Uh and I think that what happened was like the synthesis of all of these bizarre parts became something so special. Oh. Um Because Over the Garden Wall, I think part of what's so amazing about it to me is that it does feel like this old-timey cartoon, but at the same time, it has the modern kind of experimental sensibilities of a lot of animation of the last, you know, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. Um, And it brings them together in a way that is so appealing to my brain. (laughs) It's like a drug yeah i I, it's just
1: so like soothing and uh reminiscent nostalgic um Mm -hmm. deja vu like all those but but
0: then thrilling at the same time because it's introducing these new sort of mm -hmm. approaches to the familiar material yeah um and some of the fairy no, tales sure. that specifically are evoked in the story um, are ones that we've seen come up in other books we've covered, especially ones that are more folkloric. Mm-hmm. Um or like fairy tale retellings. Yep, yeah, exactly, yeah. like fractured fairy tales. Um Hansel and Gretel is a huge one mm-hmm. uh that comes up, I feel, multiple times throughout the story. Um in part of it in that there are two children who are lost in a wood there's also a witch who's trying to ensnare them and make them stay in her house for i mean you could say for the rest of their lives mm-hmm. which in hansel and gretel is much shorter
1: but yeah, no she just wants them to be like servants <laughs>
0: yeah there's candy involved um there is yeah. the just kind of the, the dark wood surrounding them and there's like a wood cutting element in hansel and gretel too i think um, and then the other one that I uh, was thinking about a lot when doing research was Baba Yaga. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Which there is actually an identical plot point from when Lorna is made to sweep the floor mm-hmm. till it shines yeah. and given a series of impossible-feeling tasks. Because she's supposed to stay up all night so that she doesn't turn so into she doesn't a monster. Succumb to the demon inside yeah. of her. <laughs> yeah, that episode was actually... Um, the pilot initially for the show. Oh, wow. um, Which is wild. (laughs) But it sounds like the show was initially a lot darker than Mm -hmm. what it ended up being um, because they were like, okay, we need to to get some fun in this. And these are (laughs) animators and artists and writers that are really good at making fun, funny things. So I think they got to kind of flex every single muscle in making the show because you have like totally absurd visual episodes like mm. um Greg's dream um right which is m- more evocative of like a really old cartoon
1: like um that's what it made me think of. It's in beautiful color, but it reminds me of like old black and white cartoons.
0: Yeah, for that for that episode, they actually did a ton of research of cartoons from the 1930s. And at that point, there were two types okay. of film that were used in animation, Technicolor and Cinecolor. Mm-hmm. And Cinecolor was the cheaper, like crummier option because it was a three strip color combination instead of four. Okay, And so it, it, that ended up making a lot of those cartoons have the blues and reds look overly strong and vibrant. Okay. Yeah. And they tried to make that animation look like that. um, Okay. And did like a ton of color correcting to try to get it to that place. And they succeeded. I mean, you can just tell that the entire thing is um, not just a labor of love, but like an experiment to see how much, um, perfection you can put into one project. Yeah. And initially it was supposed to be a longer show. Patrick McHale thought it would be 18 episodes, but mm-hmm. they just couldn't do it. It was It was just so much work to make, not just... The stories, the storyboards, the animation of the characters, but then painting all of the backgrounds Mm, that they have throughout the entire show, which are so gorgeous and just unbelievably done. Um, And the sheer number of characters that they introduce, um, Mm -hmm. all the scoring, the music, the voice acting, which is also unbelievable. The singing. John, John Cleese is in an episode as Mr. Endicott. The man who lives in the mansion touching another mansion. Yeah. And I mean, not to mention, Elijah wort is so wonderful. Um, Greg is played by a young child actor named Colin Dean. And he's also amazing. Mm -hmm. I love Melanie Linsky, who plays Beatrice and have for many years. Mm -hmm. Um, Christopher Lloyd plays the woodsman, which I also didn't know. I mean, there's really a range of talent involved. Who plays the Beast? Samuel Ramey. I don't know who that is. He, his Wikipedia blurb is Samuel Edward Ramey is an American operatic bass. <laughs> oh, so he's a singer? Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense
1: because he has like opera and, uh, bass, not bass. So I just. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: I like did not even bass. notice, honestly. I'm pretty
1: tired. So, uh... <laughs> um, yeah,
0: so he is a, he's a professional opera singer, and that's why we get those. Like the echoing beast yeah. sounds that are around the fringes mm-hmm. of the ends of a lot of episodes, um, which are so creepy and well done. My favorite song is the one that George Washington sings. It's It's just... It's really lovely and peaceful, and I love it when... That episode is so beautiful, and it's a turning point between the fun, lighter first half yeah, of the, the show, stuff. and yeah. then suddenly at the end of that trip, they're at Adelaide's, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. things just get darker from there. Yeah. And It's it's the perfect it's the perfect episode for that. Mm-hmm. I, I can imagine how hard it probably was dealing with the shifting tones yeah. at the different points of the show.
1: Yeah, but no, I... Uh, It's one of my favorite episodes.
0: Um, Yeah. So I. uh, The 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 place I'm getting a lot of this research is from this incredible book that I bought. Called The Art of Over the Garden Wall, which I've just revealed dramatically to (laughs) Oh my gosh. And I thought it was just going to be visual, but it actually has oh wow, like it has storyboards like storyboards and interviews um and really just an unbelievable depth wow. and breadth of information and um the creator of the show is throughout the entire book commenting on everything. Um, so it's one of those art books that was definitely made with a lot of input from the creators yeah. and the people involved as opposed to one where it's like, okay, we have some stuff. We'll sweep together yeah. and bind mm-hmm. up. Um, and it's by Dark Horse. Yeah, it's Dark I noticed that immediately. Uh, which is an awesome, amazing comics publisher. Um, and they published the Zelda encyclopedias too. Yeah,
1: um, and they published my f- one of my first adult mangas that i read which is (laughs) extremely adult fyi because i'm about to say it's um berserk by uh, i think his name is kento mira sorry that i'm maybe butchering his name um but i enjoyed it very much
0: uh, yeah, so I picked all of that up from this book. Um, this book is incredible. You I ordered it from our local bookstore and picked it up. LA um, Bay. Yes, if you would like to check it out, ask your local bookstore. I'm sure they'll be able to procure a copy for you. Um, and for any fan of the show, I it, it honestly, I haven't been able to stop reading it. It is so gorgeous and touching and insightful. This is so cool. I love it. I love it very, very, very much. I just, I love George Washington so much when
1: he stands up because he's just like this, like chubby frog with a tum and then he's like
0: singing and he's so cute. Yeah. And And so 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 the frog doesn't technically have a name throughout the show, but George Washington is what I feel is used the longest. So that's kind of the identity that I always ascribed to him. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So talking a little bit more about the general themes that I think mirror a lot of the books we've covered, Mm -hmm. um, Something that is really appealing about this show and something that Pat McHill said um, in one of these interviews is that they were trying to... Over the Garden Wall was an attempt to trick kids into liking stuff that they'd normally think was boring and old mm-hmm. and to show yeah. adults that kids' entertainment is more sophisticated than they think. It's very accessible. And that's like the credo of our whole podcast yeah. um, that... Yeah children's and young adult fantasy literature is really rich and there's a lot to mine and adults benefit from revisiting it
1: you are completely right that's like our thesis statement
0: exactly when I read that I was like doy Uh. (laughs) that's what's going on (laughs) here that's so cool so they wanted to make the entire show feel like it was pencil drawings but that was just gonna be too too much time consuming and expensive. So they went through this long process of trying to figure out how to animate a show that didn't have black lines for Mm, the most part. Um, And there is just a softness around the edges that is so unique. Um, It's such a specific aesthetic that they created for this show. And the people move fluidly. It's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things about adventure
1: time too, is just the animation style is so incredible and the way that it like warps and changes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like, over the garden wall has that same sort of aesthetic that it's not obviously like just the same character models being moved around Mm -hmm. instead they seem really alive.
0: Well, yeah. And with this, I mean, I can't speak to all of adventure time specifically, but over the garden wall was hand drawn, Mm -hmm. even though they were using digital drawings, they were hand drawing them. Um, and they were using, uh, this, like I said, this incredible file of touchstones of these old, mostly Victorian illustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though it was this huge team and this huge endeavor, they managed to get it to such a consistent but odd place. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's why all of those inspirations I cited are so strange <laughs> they, because they picked out the best, weirdest stuff yeah. and then put, pulled that together to yeah. create this show. This book is amazing. Yeah, really, really great. Yeah, I, I thought I had shown it to you. No, I haven't seen it before. Good saving it for the podcast reveal. So going back to the themes um, that echo a lot of the books we cover, we have children who are carrying out tasks that would be difficult for adults. Um, we also have the youngest, you know, technically weakest of the two being the one who is really the strongest mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah. And the ending of Over the Garden Wall is so heartbreaking because we see a child who is like freezing to death and having wooden It's turning into a tree. tendrils wrapping around yeah. his face and neck as he turns into the one of the Adelwood trees, mm-hmm. which are trapped souls who have become lost in the wood. Um amazing bizarre tidbit I picked up from this book. The episode when they go to the tavern Mm -hmm. and then they see the Edelwood tree that has a lot of faces in it at the Mm -hmm. end before they ride away on the horse. Yeah. The characters in the tavern never actually go outside the tavern and the animators and artists thought of them as souls that were trapped in that tree. And the lantern was the tavern. Um, so that's, and that's also part of why it's such a broad range of characters okay. in that yeah. one tavern where yeah. the different groups are much more consistent, right. the people that they encounter yeah. elsewhere. Um, uh, I love the end episode. Yeah. It's the, yeah. an <laughs> episode is amazing. Um, and they also, when the show was first released, they were trying to make it a Halloween show because it was like a Halloween event that it was coming out. And as they got further and further into it, they were like, the whole thing can't possibly be Halloween yeah. themed. so yeah. they made um, hard time at the Huskin B and put that like, as Halloweeny as possible, yeah. and then put that up at the forefront of the uh-huh. show. Yeah, so it could be nice and Halloweeny. <clears throat> but it was the aesthetics of that episode that guided all the backgrounds and everything that followed. Got
1: it. Got it.
0: Um, so one other thing I wanted to mention um, that I think makes this so special is that those those fairy tale influences really come through for one, because they were actually looking at illustrations from old fairy tales. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I think it's fascinating that they weren't, they don't, they don't talk a lot in this, book at least about looking at the storylines from fairy tales or the narratives it's all visuals okay and that still came through in so many different ways um and they said that they were trying to put themselves into the mindsets of early animators mm-hmm. um instead of trying to just mimic their work so they mm-hmm. were looking at the same influences that those animators were using okay. rather than trying to ape what their Produced okay, output was that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so like using primary sources for that process, um, and that's just so mind blowing to yeah. me. Yeah, you I, end up with a with something like this,
1: right? It's, you could just tell how much work went into every single thing involved in it.
0: Okay, so now I, I feel like I'm being so uh, bombastic. I'm just. <laughs> taken charge no it's that's good um Um, i'm happy this is a a grace grace charge (laughs) episode so for old impressions relating to something that i first saw in 2014 um this did put me back in my childhood in many, many different ways, uh, similar to the effects we experience when we reread books that we did read yeah, when we were young. Yeah. Even though I had never experienced this before, but there's mm-hmm. so many touchstones there that it pulled me back to a few specific places. One, I finally articulated this last week after doing some research, but there is an animated film from 1972 <laughs> that is called Journey Back to Oz, and it is an animated adventure fantasy film um, that is technically an unofficial sequel to the MGM's Wizard of Oz, um, and it's loosely based on the second Oz novel, which is called The Marvelous Land of Oz. Although it was so loosely based that L. Frank Baum didn't have any kind of credit. <laughs> wow none at all it's got Oz in the title and we (laughs) haven't talked about the Oz books yet on our podcast yeah I partly because I'm just not even really sure how to tackle them because Mm. the entire 14 books were like all equally important to me and it was really more the feeling that Oz gave me than any one storyline um but I will talk a bit about it now and maybe that will be Oz's time in the sun for us. Okay. Um, so with the Oz books, um, L. Frank Baum was trying to retell classic fairy tales from works by the Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen, uh-huh. but he wanted to Americanize them for mm-hmm. one thing, um, update them, just kind of modernize them, and then also he wanted to avoid kind of stereotypical fantasy characters, fairy tale characters like dwarfs and genies and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then the biggest one was that he wanted to remove the association of moral teachings. Um, like he didn't want to preach to the children that he was writing these books for. Okay. He just wanted them to have fun. Go on on these adventures yeah. because that's what he thought children's literature should be. Um and he also wanted to remove some of the horrors that were in those early fairy tales and keep things just like lighter and more fun. Um Oh, the Oz books are kind of scary. Though. That's the thing. <laughs> I totally went successful. I don't think <laughs> and even right now, here I'm gonna I'm gonna list a few characters that have, in my opinion, analogs uh, between this movie and the marvelous land of Oz. And over the garden wall. So there's a character named Jack Pumpkinhead. Yeah, I was who just is, looking at <laughs> pictures of him. He's, he's just like, like a pumpkinhead, pumpkin yeah, <laughs> and is like goofy and wacky and um, you know kind of unsteady and ungainly and he like is, always yeah. getting into scrapes. Um, there are there's a character named Frogman who wears dandy clothes like the frogs on the steamboat, and honestly Frog looks man. so much like them. Um, and he's kind of, he's kind of weird. He's like half man, half frog, but doesn't totally have a man's brain. Like he gets kind of confused. (laughs) He just gets kind of confused about things easily. Oh no. Um, there is, there are so many witches in the Oz book. So there's one in particular called (laughs) Mombi. It's actually. Mombi. Yeah. She was one of the. Of the four like big bads initially, Um, okay. but she goes through. I mean, the, there's so much that happens in these books. It's it's not worth me even getting into. But she goes through a different sort of different uh, metamorphoses, and okay. um, she's really similar to Adelaide in a lot of ways. Um, you mean Beatrice, or no? Adelaide. No, Adelaide. Oh, okay. She's a witch. Okay, gotcha. Um, and she does trap and also transform Um, Ozma, who is like the intended empress of Oz, and she makes her into a little boy named Tip. (laughs) 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 And she has no idea who she is for many years. Um, There are connections between the woodsman and the tin man, I felt, um, because there are associations with not only being a woodcutter, but losing family members. Um, And then there are also a lot of bird transformations. Um, So I have always, this has always been reminiscent of Oz for me, the Mm -hmm. um, Over the Garden Wall show. But when I looked back up this movie, it was just really crazy because, you know, nostalgia just for nostalgia's sake is one thing, but the aesthetics of this movie are so parallel Mm. to the show. Did they list it as an influence? They talk about Wizard of Oz a lot. Okay. Um, Okay. Not this movie specifically. And like I said, a lot of the, plot is similar just because Oz was one of the first like kids wandering around an enchanted world Mm -hmm. series that play out in a similar way where it's like there's a new weirder adventure around every bend and it's all kind of a patchwork of stories as opposed to being um, you know, maybe one main quest line or storyline okay. that someone's going through. Got it. And there, there's never really like just one coming of age because it just keeps happening to different characters and mm. they're going through different things. And then the book shifts to be about someone else by like book 10 or whatever. Okay. Anyway, the Oz books go all over the place. Um, but the movie in particular has the same muted forest backdrop um, with the like brighter, more structured leaves in the front, and Jack Pumpkinhead just reminds me so much of Enoch the right. Pumpkin Master, yeah. as well as the Pumpkin Skeleton people. Hard <laughs> <laughs> <part laughs> time at the husk and undead <laughs> pumpkin um, people, and it was really cool. That movie is on YouTube. I'll also put in our episode description. Um, it was amazing to be able to go back and watch that we used to rent it from huh. blockbuster um i don't know if i remember it i was looking i think at you were probably too yeah, little. yeah yeah no for me the thing that
1: this made me be like whoa i recognize this um, was the animated Wind in the Willows. That's what it oh, reminded yeah. me of. Yeah. There was like a double, like, Ichabod Crane and Wind in the Willows. Yep.
0: And they do cite Legend of Sleepy Hollow as right. an influence. Okay. Um, not the Disney movie, but some of the early illustrations. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah and that, make, that makes complete sense too, especially um, School Town Follies, the yeah. episode yeah. about animal students. Um, that was
1: a, That was a weird thing because it was a double film something i don't know it was split in the middle and i barely remember the sleepy hollow one there was this like nine minute song about ichabod crane and it was like this guy who cares about this guy ichabod, uh, yeah Ichabod crane exactly and, it, and then he gets his head cut off and it's like well glad i spent all this time getting to know him yeah whereas wind in the Willows was like actually a fun like you know a romp
0: well from memory that to piece movie that disney produced is so the wind in the willows one is about toad's wild ride yeah um yeah. the basis for the theme park ride <laughs> and then guilty uh, yeah the legend of i think they call it the legend of ichabod crane yeah the and, second which part, is also dumb is because the story of sleepy hollow it's not the
1: legend of ichabod crane
0: yeah honestly two quite disturbing movies um yeah. shorts yeah. i should say yeah uh, sure. i think we first encountered them on a sing-along song yeah. vhs mm-hmm. um and that's how we first learned <laughs> them. and if you're young enough to be watching sing-along songs you're like probably gonna be disturbed by yeah ichabod crane yeah so yeah. um the other the other work that really resonates with me strongly is being related. I had the book pulled down but I put it away. Could you please reach behind you and just to uh-huh. the just to the left of the postcard is Higgledy-piggledy Pop. It's right next to Harka Vagrant. So oh.
1: there is a book
0: by Maurice The dog has eaten the, the mop. mop. There's a book by Maurice Sendak called Higgledy Piggledy Pop, or There Must Be More to Life. Uh, And not only the illustrations and the visuals, but the story just, it's so... I love this book. It's so beloved by me. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I, I am really happy I held on to our copy of it um, because I read it regularly. Um, It's so funny and strange. It is about a dog who has everything and she becomes dissatisfied and says, there must be more to life. And then goes (laughs) on a series of adventures, thoroughly annoying everyone in her path because she's so (laughs) spoiled and bad. (laughs) And in the end she becomes, she realizes her dream of becoming a stage star um, in a punch and judy style play about a dog eating a mop and she she gets an edible mop every day for every performance (laughs) and that might not sound Uh, on its surface similar to over the garden wall but the line drawings um and the wit and oddness of the writing and the situations that jenny gets into i feel it's very much a kindred spirit to over the garden Mm -hmm. wall yeah. Um and it also plays out like a fairy tale coming of age type story where you're kind of wandering around and coming across these different magical characters and trying to find yourself along the way. Can I read an excerpt, please? <laughs> <laughs> now Jenny has everything. She's the finest leading lady the world
1: mother goose theater ever had. Jenny's a star. She performs every day and twice on Saturday. She's content. Once Jenny sent her old master a letter. This is what it said. Hello, as you probably noticed, I went away forever. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm very experienced now and very famous. I am even a star. Every day I eat a mop twice on Saturday. It is made of salami and that is my favorite. I get plenty to drink too, so don't worry. I can't tell you how to get to the castle yonder because I don't know where it is. But if you ever come this way, look for me. Jenny. <laughs>
0: perfection That's so great i know i've used that word a few times in this uh, episode and i don't use it lightly i truly believe that higgledy piggledy pop or there must be word to life and over the garden wall are both perfect yeah and this is a great
1: book and the illustrations are so good too.
0: is yeah unbelievable yeah. um just so talented mm-hmm And, you know, I think I think all the works that we've discussed, um, they take a comforting setting and they contrast it with some bizarre sensibilities. Like it's this mashup of Americana and also cartoon experiments. And I couldn't be more thrilled that any of them exist. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. So I, I think, you know, that's that's probably that's enough from me. <laughs> <for now. laughs> um, but it was so much fun talking about Over the Garden Wall with you. And if only we could somehow get the rights, we would play some of the music from the show, which that's, we uh, haven't discussed um, in detail in the episode. But uh, which so is so wonderful. Do yourself unbelievably a favor and good.
1: just... Go listen
0: to yeah. Go a check song out the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, it was done by a group of three uh, musicians that have a. It, it's a band called um, the Blasting Company. The oh, the uh, the Petrojevic Blasting Company, um, and two of them are stepbrothers. And they said that as they started working on the project, they were eerily um, finding so many similarities between <laughs> themselves and Greg and Ward. <laughs> So they had a real close experience with the show, and that makes me very happy. We'll put links to a lot of these things we've talked about, as many as we can, in our episode And post, some that we can't. And some that we can't, um, which will be on dragonbabiespodcast.com. And I will put up some of the art that I've mentioned on our Instagram and Twitter as well. We're on Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast and Twitter at pod. And I really appreciate all of you um, sticking around for this funny mini episode experiment of our own. Um, It's cool to be able to have an excuse to just research the show more thoroughly and also think more deeply about its influences and how they tie into other things I love, a lot of which are the... Fantasy books that we cover for this podcast, yeah. and the two do feel inextricably linked. So, mm-hmm. hopefully, all of you have followed that thread, and this doesn't <laughs> feel totally bizarre. No, <laughs> to no, our listeners are smart to Grace. include in our episode feed. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening, and happy Halloween, all of you. Spooky, scary, spooky, scary. <laughs> um, hope you enjoy it, and uh, I think this will be a good companion. So, yeah, check out this check out the soundtrack especially you can yeah. walk you can walk around through some leaf filled crunchy streets and enjoy we'll walk on the
1: sidewalk though
0: <laughs> <laughs> halloween safety tip from madeline walk on the sidewalk not in the road <laughs> i am grace and i'm madeline until
1: next time goodbye